Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we stand to our feet? It's a great day to praise him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's magnify the Lord together. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Blessed be your holy, holy, matchless name. Good to be in the house of the Lord this wonderful morning. God is great and greatly to be praised. So good to see each and every one of your smiling faces this morning. God bless you richly is our our prayer. Hallelujah. If you have a need in your life, we want to go to the Lord in prayer right now. If you have a need, why don't you lift up your hand, represent that need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Needs all over this house. Now let's lift up our hearts, lift up our voices, begin to call upon the name of the Lord together. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Hallelujah. 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 God, we love you. We exalt you. We bless you. There's none like you, Lord. There's none like you, Lord. I just pray your anointing. I pray your spirit to move and to minister to every heart, to every life, to every need that's gathered in this house. The hands that were upraised, God, we turn it over to you. We lay it upon the altar. Believe in God. You're able. You're able and you're willing, God, to make a difference in our life. So thankful for you, Lord. So thankful for your presence. So thankful for your anointing. So thankful for your word. So thankful for your blessings on each one of our lives. God, thank you for blessing your people, for blessing your church. Hallelujah. There's none like you, Lord. There's none like you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't we put our hands together and clap unto the Lord. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Why don't you turn to at least two or three? Give a high five, a fist bump, maybe a handshake. Tell somebody you're glad to see them this wonderful, wonderful morning in the house of our great God. Hallelujah. 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 Before we dismiss the children in the junior high class, let me let me just remind you that. Uh, Small groups started last week, so we had our first week of small groups last week. It was good attendance, good numbers for the first week, but there are still several people that have yet to sign up for a group. So to make it easier, and I do know that that uh, uh, the paper signups that are in the uh, uh, in the foyer sometimes are easier for some that may not be. Um, as tech savvy or, or whatever, but we want to make it as easy as possible for you to get on something. So, so on this second week, we put the uh, almost all of the groups that are out there. They're uh, pretty much all the groups that are that have room to sign up for are out there. And just because the sheets may be blank right now, does not mean that those. Those groups are blank because several have signed up online already, and these groups have already met one week. But we want you to be a part. We want you to be a part and connect, so do sign up. Also, I want to make uh, another mention of a reminder. Uh, Growth Track will be offered October the 1st. Uh, sessions one and two of Growth Track will be offered October the 1st. And then, of course, the following week on the 8th, we will, we will finish that up with three and four. So if you've not yet gone through Growth Track, that is your next step, and we want, you, we want you to do so. Could we stand back to our feet? If you have to give today, you can give by way of cash or check in, in the black offering bucket in the back. You can also give online at clcsugarland.com. You can also text to give at the number 
on the screen. God bless you in your giving today. Let's dismiss the children to go to their respective classes. Again, junior high is this 9 a.m. class. And thank you for being, being in the house this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And you may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. I give um, accolades to, to Zachary for finding this one for me. Got more laughs right then than I got in the 11 a.m. service with jokes last week. So, so uh, it's very, very encouraging. And the laughs are still coming. You guys are a great group. I love the 9 a.m. service. Love it. Forrest Gump. Forrest stands before Peter at the pearly gates. And Peter says, I'm going to give you a quiz. Forrest says, okay. Peter says, three questions. First question, which two days of the week begin with T? Second question, how many seconds are there in a year? Kind of tough. Third question. What is God's name? Forrest thinks for a minute and says, well, the first one's easy. Two days that begin with T. It's today and tomorrow. And Peter says, well, it's not what I was looking for, but I see how you're thinking. I'll go ahead and give you credit for it. Forrest says, the next question, how many seconds are there in a year? Twelve. Twelve, Peter questions back. Paul says, yes, twelve. January 2nd, February 2nd, March 2nd. Peter says, okay, I see what you mean. I'll give you credit. And the last question. God's name is Andy, Paul said. Peter said, Andy, how did you come up with that? He said, I learned it at church. We used to sing it. Forrest breaks in the song, Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me, Andy tells me I am his own. Which brings me to my title today. Why smart people do dumb things. Why smart people do dumb things. Jeremiah chapter number 17 and verse number 9, just a, a little verse here, but uh, this, is, this is pretty much it. This is, this is the answer. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked. Who can know it? Why smart people do dumb things. Jeremiah here is saying every heart. God is saying every heart. Another translation says beyond cure. Desperately wicked. Beyond cure. Now there's a difference in dishonest and deceitful. The Bible says your heart is deceitful. 
There's a difference there. Dishonest, you've met dishonest people before who, who were not shrewd enough to deceive you. They, they were dishonest, they were liars, but they weren't shrewd enough to deceive you. Now, their dishonesty to you was so apparent, you, you weren't buying whatever they're selling. Can I get an amen? You weren't, you weren't buying whatever they were putting out there. You didn't fall for any of their garbage. But deceitfulness, deceitfulness is different. It's one thing to be lied to. It's quite another to be tricked or to, led, to be led astray. Jeremiah says that the heart doesn't simply lie. He doesn't say that the heart is a liar. Our hearts have the ability to lead us astray. Thus, you need to abandon the adage, trust your heart, trust your heart. Biblically, the heart cannot be trusted. Again, Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? How many times have you looked back on something you've done and thought, why did I do that? Or what was I thinking? How many times have you witnessed smart people do dumb things and thought, why would they do that? What were they thinking? The same reason you don't understand some of your decisions. That's, that's the answer for them as well. The heart is untrustworthy. The heart is dishonest, corrupt. Consequently, you and I have the ability, the propensity to lie to ourselves and to act upon those lies. Once you know somebody can't be trusted... Once you understand and you know they can't be trusted, it's easy to ignore his pitch. It's easy to ignore what he's saying and how he's trying to convince you, even when he's convincing. Once you know your heart cannot be trusted, it becomes easier to pause and evaluate before going down whatever path the heart urges you to follow. Jesus addresses this in John chapter 8 and verse number 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth is your heart cannot be trusted. The truth is there's a better decision-making strategy than simply following your heart. The truth is your heart can lead you down a path that leads to a destination that you really want to avoid. The truth is, is that your heart, uh, you cannot trust in it. Uh, you cannot trust in your heart. Uh, but the Bible says you need to trust in the Lord with uh, all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct uh, your path. And the path that God leads you down is a destination that you'll want to be at. The journey, yes, can be rough, but the destination is beyond this world. Let's put our hands together and clap one more time to the Lord. So the truth is, if people follow their heart, they will often do things that they regret. So what's the alternative? What's, what's the alternative this morning? The, the truth is, methods are many, principles are few, 
Methods often change. Principles never do. You have to know where you are first in order to get to where you want to be. You have to know where you are first in order to get to where you want to be. We need to know where we are in order to get to where we want to go. What you don't know can hurt you. Did you hear me? What you don't know can hurt you. A map does you no good if you don't know your current location. You can look through a map, a paper map, a a map that's in a book, and it will do you no good. Phones are great. They use GPS. They allow you to know your current location in order to get you to the desired destination because you have to know where you currently are in order to get to the place uh, that you want to go. Case in point, I read about a son that that called his dad on on the phone, and he didn't know where he was, and and, and possibly it was before before the phones had the GPS, and, and he was driving home by himself for the very first time and and, and he was lost his his dad questions him about his surroundings look around tell me what you see he was trying to locate him by by memory of things that that maybe he was around and of course that turned out to be a mistake because as his son was looking around and he looks looks back up and the car in front of him is dead stopped anybody been there you look up and the car in front of you is dead stopped and, and, and you go to slam in front of it. But what he did was he veered to the right, which was a smart thing, and he ended up in a ditch, nothing harmed, not harmed bodily, but uh, he didn't have the impact of, of the two cars. But now he's stuck. And his dad asked him, are you okay? You sure you're okay? Yes, I'm fine, I'm fine, but I'm stuck. And his dad says, don't worry, don't worry. Just tell me where you are and I'll come pull you out. Tell me where you are and I'll come pull you out and after a long pause the son replied dad that's the point I don't have any idea where I am listen folks if you don't know where you are I can't get you to where you want to go if you are without Jesus Christ in your life you are lost spiritually you need salvation you have to believe this. It's, it's God's grace through faith. You need repentance. It's an inward change of mind, an outward change of direction. You repent. You, change comes into your life. You change the way you think. You change the things that you do. Baptism in Jesus' name is next. You are immersed in water in the saving name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins. And God will fill you with his spirit. And that's the starting line, folks. That just gets us off the block. That gets us going on our journey. And then from there, you can be led here at Christian Life to become a fully devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's fine, belong, grow, serve, fine. If you have not begun this, we can't take you on this journey if you have not begun this journey. So if you've not yet begun, do those steps that I just said said repent believe allow the grace of God to come into your life take the step to be baptized in the saving name of Jesus neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved and God will fill you 
with his spirit. And we'll lead you fine. You've got to begin your relationship with God. Get right with God. Develop relationship with him. Belong. Get in a small group. We put the paper sign-ups in the foyer to make it easy for those that didn't get online and sign up. Get in a group and get connected. Grow so you can discover your purpose. As I said, October the 1st, which is next Sunday, October the 1st, we'll be offering sessions 1 and 2 after the 11 a.m. service. There will be a meal served there. If you've not yet gone through our growth track, that is your next step. And we encourage you to do so, so that you can go on and serve and make a difference. Make a difference in this world, and it'll make a difference in your life. Realize, folks, realize the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. He's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. As a body, we are on the right path that will lead us to the destination that we are wanting. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. God has more, folks. God has more. God wants more. He wants more, and we want to be involved in what God is doing. Make sure you're following godly principles in your life. Allow that to be your governing governing factor, governing your decision. Being led of the Spirit of God. For they that are led by the Spirit, they be the sons of God. A Bible principle is much more than a religious ideology. A Bible principle is an accurate and sure guide to success in life. One night a massive battleship was cruising coastal waters when an officer on deck saw the light of an oncoming ship and he summons the captain and told him of the situation and the captain orders the radio man to signal the oncoming ship. We are on collision course. Move 10 degrees to the left. Expecting immediate acknowledgement, the captain was surprised to hear the reply. You move 10 degrees. Grabbing the microphone from the radio man's hand, the captain said, Sir, I am officer in the United States Navy and commander of this battleship. The answer came back on the other end, Sir, the reply came firmly, I am a lighthouse. Bible principles are timeless and unchanging laws of life. People argue with them. People resist them. People test them. Wise people acknowledge them and live by them. The reliable compass of God's word. They follow it each and every day. They follow it every day of their life. It guides them. It leads them. In Chuck Colson's book, How Now Shall We Live? He outlines scientific research that supports living according to the biblical moral order is healthier for individuals and society. Living by the word of God is healthier, than he said. There's a growing body of scientific evidence to back up this biblical truth, he goes on to say. Medical studies are confirming that those who attend church regularly those who attend church regularly and act consistently with their faith, not just come, but act consistently with their faith, are better off both physically and mentally. They're better off. 
They say alcohol abuse is highest among those with little or no religious commitments. In one Gallup survey, respondents with strong religious commitment, strong religious commitment, were twice as likely to describe themselves as very happy. Armand Nicolai, professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, argues from his lifelong experience that Christians are far less likely to experience mental disorders. Why? Because, and I quote, the one essential feature that characterizes all types of depression is the feeling of hopelessness and helplessness. And Christians, he says, are never without hope. Folks, biblical principles work in your life. God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of his principles. Principles work. You sow sparingly, you shall also reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you shall reap bountifully. Don't follow your heart, follow biblical principles. And I'm ending with four biblical principles that we should all be practicing in our life. Principle number one, the principle of giving. The principle of giving. A traveler journeying through the desert came upon a water pump with a little note attached to it. The note explained that buried nearby was a water bottle. The instructions were to use the water to prime the pump and after getting a drink to leave the bottle filled with water for the next traveler. Of course, the challenge for the thirsty traveler was to risk pouring out the water in the bottle to prime the pump without getting a drink first for himself he was to give that water that was right there and accessible to that thirsty individual he was to pour that into the pump to prime it what if the pump didn't work could the craving and the thirst be denied temporarily in order to tap into a greater supply of water for oneself and not only for himself but for the next traveler as well people who are driven by a immediate thirst for approval will typically forfeit values for immediate approval. They forfeit what could be for what is right now. The immediate gratification costs them the long-term respect and approval that comes to those who delay gratification. God will continue to bless Christian Life Church. He will continue to pour out his spirit here because it's God's church. It's not man's church. It's God's church. And if it's his will, if it's his will, he said it would be his bill. He said he'd build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He don't need our money. He has the cattle on the thousand hills. They're all his. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. You're certainly not hurting him if you hold back from him. But rather you're hurting no one but yourself. 
This isn't about what God can get from you. It's about what God can do for you. Not get from you, but do for you. The stigma that people have about giving is they have a worldly mindset about finances. Carnal thinking always gets individuals in trouble. You need a renewed mind. Because if there's any uncomfortableness that comes to you when giving is mentioned, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. You ought to be happy when you talk about giving because you have an understanding that when we give to God, God opens up the windows of heaven and pours out blessing that cannot be contained. Now to prove Prove that's what, that it's about what God can do for you. Let's look at Malachi 3, 8, and 10. Will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, God says. But you ask, how do we rob you? God says, in tithes and in offerings. You are under a curse in the whole nation of you because you are robbing me. Then he says in verse number 10, bring the whole tithe. Now some people have a misconception of what the whole tithe is. Tithe is a simple word that just means tenth. It's not what you conjure up in your mind. It's not what you think about. It's not what a a good amount you think might be for you to give. The whole tithe is the tenth. It's the tenth. He says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He goes on to say test me in this says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven, the floodgates of heaven, and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And I don't think there's another place in the Bible where God issues a challenge like this. Where God says, try me and see. Test me in this if you don't believe it. He says, test me. Go ahead. Do a challenge. Try it out. See what happens he could have just commanded it and everybody would have to do it but but it's as if generosity is so important to God to live as a generous person is much better way to live your life he knows human nature he understands our tendency to clutch and to cling and to hold on to and think we'll just reach the good life if we could just have a little bit more to get anxious and afraid when we give first so he goes so far to say try it test me and see. He says, here's what I'm saying. And it should be enough. It should be enough for God just to say, see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing. But if faith is not there, if you can't take me at my word for this, run an experiment, God is saying. Give it a try. Put me to the test and see what happens. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I don't pour out so much blessing. You don't have room enough to store it. Honoring God with the first is the best way to live. I already mentioned it, tenth, uh, tithe is the tenth part. It's 10%. So tithing is the practice of one giving one-tenth of their income, of their increase uh, back to God. It's principle. It predates the law. It's found in the law. It postdates the law. And Jesus talks about it in the New Testament as well. So does Paul. It's a principle throughout 
the Bible. 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whosoever sows generously will reap generously. Generously, this is a theme that runs over and over in Scripture from the front of the book to the back of the book. Proverbs eleven twenty four: one man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. 25 of that same chapter 11, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Principle is you give to God and he gives back to you more. You cannot outgive God. If you believe that, put your hands together and clap to the Lord. Principle number two, the principle of prayer. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. We make our petitions known unto God. Prayer can go anywhere God can go and can do anything that God can do. The thing you're praying about may or may not change. We believe by faith that it will, but even if it doesn't, we'll be changed by being in the very presence of the Lord. What we do know is God doesn't answer 100% of the prayers that you don't pray. I'm going to say that again. What we do know is God does not answer 100% of the prayers that you do not pray. The tragedy today is not unanswered prayer. It's unoffered prayer. We got to get the people of God praying. Not just on 21 days of prayer. Not just in August and in January. But every single day of our life. Every day ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock! And it shall be open unto you. Let's talk to God every day first. First. Put him first. Make that commitment and keep it. The more you spend time with people, the more you become like people. You've experienced it before. A family member, maybe a spouse or maybe one of your kids. You'll hear them talking on the phone in the other room. And you can tell exactly who they're talking to by the way that they're talking. You spend time with people, you become more like that person. Folks, I want to be like Jesus. I want to spend more time with him so that I can be more like, more like him. Somebody say hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Principle of prayer, when you pray, God answers. Third principle. Principle of evangelism. The principle of evangelism. Why? Because heaven and hell are real destinations. Heaven and hell are real destinations. And every single individual that has lived upon this earth, that is living upon this earth now, or who's already passed, or who will in the future, every individual will spend eternity in one of those two destinations. The angels in heaven are the demons in heaven hell and while we know that is of a truth we need to reach out we must reach out to folks here in our area as well as those that are abroad we will preach and teach Jesus Christ the death the burial the resurrection the gospel Paul said, I have delivered unto you the gospel, how that Jesus died and was buried and the third day rose 
rose again from the dead. We will lead people in applying that gospel to their lives. Everybody needs to experience Acts 2.38 in their life. Everyone needs to experience repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is unto you and to your children to those that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call we want to make disciples of Jesus Christ lead people to become fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In Jerusalem. That's our area right here. That's our surrounding area. That's the area that we can reach from Christian life right here. Samaria. That, that goes uh, beyond uh, to maybe our continent uh, right here and we'll, we'll give to endeavors that are not right here that we cannot reach locally but we'll give to those as well and unto the uttermost parts of the earth uh, we'll give unto those as well and we'll go when we can and be involved in crusades uh, across this world uh, so that we can see people saved uh, so that we can see people filled uh, so that we can see God changed individuals lives he said you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me witnesses uh, what does a witness do uh, they are they they tell the story as they see it they what they witness they go ahead and tell their point of view of it uh, that's what you do when you witness uh, you don't have to have everything figured out you don't have to be able to dot all your i's and cross all your t's uh, but what you can tell somebody is that i went uh, to that house of god uh, and i may not have been right i may not have been doing good but suddenly God did this in my life. I left encouraged. I left uplifted. I left forgiven. I left saved. I left washed. I left clean. Tell your story to somebody. Witness. Tell somebody. He forgave me. He encouraged me. He gave me what I didn't deserve. He filled me with his spirit. And he can do the same for you. He put me on a path that leads to everlasting life. So sparingly, reap sparingly. So bountifully, reap bountifully. Begin throwing seeds out. Begin bountifully throwing seeds out. Begin bountifully inviting people to the house of God. Give increase. God will give the increase. You invite to the house. You don't have any part, but that's your part in reaching down and, and sowing the seed. Lifting up your voice and giving an invite. God is going to give the increase. Paul planted. Apollos watered. But it was God that gave 
the increase. Someone invited you. Someone brought you. Someone preached to you. It's good. If it was good for you, if it changed your life, it can be good for somebody else. If it put you on the right path, if it put you on the right road, why wouldn't someone else just like you want the very same for themselves and for their families? Let's get about our Father's business. Let's get about the kingdom of God. Come on, let's take the responsibility of inviting somebody. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, reap bountifully. God is a respecter of principles. The more we sow, the more we'll reap. If you never invite, nobody ever comes. Nobody from you will ever come if you never invite anybody. But you may have to invite ten to get one to come. But you never know. You may invite five and all five may, may come. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. And the last principle here this morning is the principle of worship. The principle of worship. Worship is the platform that brings proper balance and proper perspective in a believer's life. Worship keeps God exalted and keeps us humble. Worship delivers me from pride and makes me dependent upon God. Worship recognizes God's right and my duty. And when I realize my, my duty in, in light of His right, duty is no longer a dirge, but duty becomes delight. Delight. I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I get to. I worship you. I worship you for who you are. Extends to me the privilege that I'm allowed to worship God who can do anything. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, the psalmist said in Psalms 34. He said, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Not enough for me just to come and worship all by myself. I want to gather in this house with people like precious faith. And people that don't know God. People that, that never have been introduced. That never experienced. That never felt. And as I begin to exalt and you begin to exalt and magnify the Lord together. We exalt the Lord together. What happens? Principle. God inhabits. God comes down to where worship is. Principle. He moves and he manifests. God said, if you magnify, then I'll manifest. You magnify and I'll manifest. As we magnify God. We magnify God. And you know the, the word is magnification. You've all had magnifying glasses. Some of you had glasses that are progressive. And at the bottom they kind of magnify your words. That you're looking at. When we magnify something. It does not change that thing. that From it's original existence. Or from how it actually is. If you're reading a book. And you have a magnifying glass in front of it. You're making the words. So that you can see them better. The words appear bigger than what they are on the page so that, so that you can see them better. Now, the heavens or oh, the heavens cannot contain him. 
He is so big. He is so vast. He is everywhere present and nowhere absent. So the whole concept of God shows up when we worship is not exactly true. Because even, even if an atmosphere is quote-unquote dead, and I think some of you know what I'm talking about, where an atmosphere is no feeling, no visible presence, folks, God is still there. Because you can't go to a place. If I make my bed in hell, the psalmist said, he's there. You cannot go to a place that God is not. He is everywhere present. He is nowhere absent. So, the principle that if I worship and if I magnify God, he shows up is not exactly true because he's already there. But what he does is he makes himself visible to you. That's what the word manifest means, to make visible. He makes you aware that he's there. When we say God just walked in this room, God was already there. He didn't just walk in the room. But what he just did was he made his presence manifest to you. Suddenly you feel something. Suddenly you, you feel his pull. You feel his tug. Tears begin streaming down faces. God was there all the time. But now he manifests he makes himself known, makes himself visible. He nudges you and he says, I'm right here. I'm right here beside you. Whatever you have need of, I am that God. So we magnify him and we make him, we make him bigger. We make him bigger with our praises and he makes himself known to us. And that's not just for us though. Because when we magnify the Lord, it's principle. God shows up. God manifests. We magnify. God manifests. When that person that comes in that don't know God, he's never felt his presence, never felt his power. Maybe somebody invited, maybe you invited them. And God begins manifesting. God begins showing up with his presence and allowing his presence to be felt and be seen by individuals. Somebody will feel him for the very first time and think to themselves, God is in that place. Worship is the principle. That's why we should never come into the house and not really engage our hearts and our spirits with the Lord. Sure, he's there, but I want him to manifest his glory. I want his presence and power to be known by not only me, but by everybody. Everybody, Paul and Silas got to thanking God for one thing that happened on a dreary day. We're in prison. We're in stocks. My back hurts. I've been beaten. But if you'll praise God for the minor things, you won't get hung up when there's major things that take place in your life. You can praise God and God will show up. You've got to learn to praise him over every little victory. The situation cannot rule me. It doesn't matter what's on the outside. It doesn't matter what the world may say. You can praise him. You can love him. He is your joy. He is your peace. He's the one that can make a difference. It's principle. It's principle. Smart people do dumb things. Why do they? Smart people do dumb things when they don't follow godly principles 
and they don't follow godly principles. When we follow our heart, we'll be saying, why did I? I can't believe I. Because your heart will deceive you. But if you follow biblical principles in your life, if you let God lead you, you won't regret. You won't regret what happened yesterday. But you can stand and say, God, you're in charge. God, you're in control. I want to follow your word. I want to follow your will. Could we stand to our feet? Could we move from where we are and begin to gather around this front area, this altar area, and begin all over again to say, God, I'm not following after my heart. I'm not following after feeling. I'm living by faith. I'm walking by faith and not by sight. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who? can know it but God in your principles you are a respecter of principles if we sow bountifully we will reap bountifully we're going to give we're going to be givers we're going to pray we're going to be prayers we're going to evangelize the lost we're going to invite people and witness to people and tell people about the goodness of God and you're going to respond we're going to be worshipers because when we worship you you show up you show up sure you were always there but now you manifest yourself you manifest your glory and you work among your people and you bless and you make all things new come on let's worship him let's commit our hearts and our lives to following after godly principles to following biblical principles in our life Oh, yes, 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 you're a wonderful people. Keep reaching out to God. Keep reaching out to God. Keep following godly principles because God is a respecter of principle. He's a respecter of principle. He will follow his word. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that cannot be contained. He's going to bless. He's going to follow his principles. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's keep reaching out to him right now. Let's keep reaching out to him right now. Keep committing to him. Hallelujah. I'm going to follow after you. I don't trust in my heart. I don't trust in what my heart is telling me. But I'm trusting in you. I'm led by you. I'm led by your word and led by your spirit. For they that are led by the spirit, they be the sons of God. Yes, yes, yes. Your name is worthy. Your name is holy. Come on, somebody worship. Somebody worship. Somebody worship. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Your name.
Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands. Let's lift up our hearts one more time. Oh, you're wonderful, Lord. You're wonderful, Lord. You're a great God. You're a great God. Lord, I don't want to follow my heart. I don't want to follow my heart. I want to trust you with all of my heart. Lean not to my own understanding. All my ways acknowledge you and you'll direct. You'll direct and you'll take me down that path to the destination I want to be at. Lord, help me to follow your principles. Godly, biblical principles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are not a respecter of persons, but you are a respecter of principles. Help me to realize and understand. Follow the principle of giving, principle of tithing, principle of prayer principle of evangelism and the principle of worship let them be a part of my life Lord let them be guiding me directing me in the name of the Lord I love you so much I'm thankful for your presence and your power and your word I just pray your strength and your touch upon every one of us Lord in Jesus mighty name somebody say in Jesus name in Jesus name if you're not signed up to a small group don't want to do it online you can do it in the foyer on those paper paper signups god bless you richly god bless you richly is our prayer hallelujah follow after godly principles found in the word of god it's not just a feeling we don't walk by feeling we walk by faith we walk by faith not by sight still moving still proving just how great just how great he is just how great he is he's still moving